everyone, and welcome to episode 72 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we jump on to the Wild West App Store links. How you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. I got my clubs ready, ready to take on the course. Yep, and there's some fun stuff this week. You know, we've been talking how we've had a couple down ones, but this this was a fun week. Yeah, yeah. Finally, we saw a bunch of... Uh, nice titles that kind of just grasp your attention immediately and then kept your attention while you're playing them. Yep. And before we get there, we do have some Apple news. And it turns out that Apple's launched the iOS 12 public beta as well as the macOS Mojave public beta. So now anyone can sign up and help Apple essentially beta test the new versions before we reach the fall. And all you have to do to sign up is go to beta.apple.com and then sign up with your Apple ID, and you'll have links and instructions depending on which software you want to download. Yeah, I, I, I haven't installed an Apple beta in a long time just because I tend to use my device every day and don't want to take that chance. Although, this may be probably one of the safest ones. Last year with the iOS 11 beta, it was kind of risky because you had the chance of all your apps or a number of your apps no longer working because of that 64-bit update. But this year, there's really not a lot going on that I don't think it's really that risky, but I still don't know that I'll do it. I think you might even be able to sign up for the tvOS beta as well uh, if you're into that. But uh, if you can't wait, then go ahead and try to help Apple and uh, see what you can find for bugs. Yep. If you like playing around with bugs, finding out which of your favorite apps don't work, then public beta is just right for you. <laughs> and then there's not the most new apps, you know, it's a struggle to find them. It seems a lot of the recent apps are these mindfulness kind of stress relief apps that focus on subscription services and various hurdles and obstacles. So we don't really have a new app this week to discuss. Yeah, it's too stressful to remember to uh, unsubscribe. Uh, although maybe if you try that iOS 12 beta, you'll have the simple way to unsubscribe. And I don't know. Go ahead. Try it. Let yep. us know. But luckily, games are actually making news. So one of the big new releases this week is the official Westworld game from Warner Brothers based on the new or the HBO show that just wrapped up season two this past week. And it turns out that Bethesda, the makers of Fallout Shelter, which came out in 2015, are suing Warner Brothers for Westworld. And if you... You don't even have to download both of these games. If you look at the screenshots of these two games, you can instantly see the similarities and it turns out that the main crux of this lawsuit isn't actually just the similarities of looks the developers of the game for warner brothers actually used to work for bethesda they're called behavior interactive and they use some of the original code for a, essentially a quick ramp up to create westworld and that in lies the main problem as you can probably imagine Right, yeah. So these guys probably left Bethesda, and then Warner Brothers came to them and probably said something like, Hey, we'd really like that Fallout Shelter game. Can you make us something in the same vein for Westworld? Because we think it would fit nicely into that sort of environment. And I'm guessing Warner Brothers had no idea that these guys were basically just going to use source code that they had taken when they left, or had maybe they had it on their computers, because... 
not only was it do you see those immediate screenshots and even the behavior the way you interact with certain elements uh of the ui are very similar they even brought over some of the bugs from an early build of fallout shelter appear in the game so it's it's very clear that they used source code that already existed for fallout shelter and so there's no denying that i don't know how you they thought, especially with the company's biggest Bethesda, that they would get away with this. But uh, it's very curious. Yeah, this is much more than, oh, it plays the same, it looks the same. We've seen numerous examples on the App Store of this game is like this game. Like you play Temple Run and then you download those millions 3D endless runners. Or you download Bejeweled, then you see Candy Crushes like that, and then you see there's a million games just like Candy Crush. This isn't like that. This is actually beyond that to use the specific source code which essentially is a trade secret and then if you move from company to company you know you already signed all these different agreements with bethesda essentially they violated those contracts to work with warner brothers right yeah and so i guess a couple of days ago as of the time we're recording this i believe is on june 21st they filed i think it was a 34 page brief uh as part of their case against uh, this other studio that stole their code behavior. And what's actually kind of humorous about this whole thing is in one of the sections, they show, uh, well, throughout they're showing a whole bunch of comparison screenshots, but they're showing something for the character movement sequence within the game. And they actually, in this brief that they filed against behavior, they mislabeled the Fallout Shelter screenshots as Westworld screenshots and the Westworld screenshots as Fallout Shelter screenshots. So even they're getting confused while they're looking at this, these two things that are uh, almost identical in, in many, many ways. Yeah, and I mean, if that, so the screenshot comparisons using the same bugs. And so ultimately, Bethesda's asking for essentially damages, plus they want Westworld to be removed from the App Store. So... If there's a day where you see Westworld's no longer in the App Store, you know that Bethesda won. Right, yeah. I, I mean, at this point, it's going to be tough, I think, for them to get it completely removed, but maybe not. Maybe I mean, it is stolen code. If I were them, I would have gone for a percentage of the money, unless they think this is going to eat into sales of Fallout Shelter. For them, like, this is already a hugely popular app. You see it's already racing up the App Store. People love Westworld. Why not ask for like a percentage of the the profits at this point, unless you just don't want other companies to do this and think they're going to get away with it? It's a tough call, and I'm guessing they're just going with this hard line just because they don't want this kind of thing to happen again. And I don't know. I have a feeling it could disappear. We'll see. So if you download it now, and but although it is a server-based thing, so if it goes, it's probably going to be gone. Yeah, but, you know, it's interesting because these are two big companies clashing. It made, As soon as I saw this story, I'm like, well, what if you're like a small indie developer who doesn't, can't afford a team of lawyers to fight, say Warner Brothers copied your exact game or whatever the case may be, you're kind of between a rock and a hard place. There's not that much you can do if you can't afford the legal fight. So it took a company like Bethesda with the resources they have to call out Warner Brothers on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh... 
this is one of the most interesting cases because yeah we've seen plenty of smaller developers that have great games or super popular some clone goes out there on the app store yes it's not like they stole the source code but a clone goes out there and even it's tough for even them to get apple to quickly remove these things so to see two giants go at it and the fact that we still haven't seen it removed is kind of interesting because you would have thought they would have just halted sales completely on it just while things were sorted out and then bring it back if if need be. That's what they would have done to anyone else. But because it's Warner Brothers, they didn't do that. And Apple's probably raking in a pile of money from in-app purchases. So there's less interest for them to do it. So I don't know. It's This is a really interesting case. Especially with the timing, because like I said, Season 2 just wrapped up, so Warner Brothers got Westworld on the App Store just in time. There's a big banner feature for it, so you know that Apple and Warner Brothers have been planning out the specific launch date to have everything in order. So with all that planning, I don't know, I think a jury's going to have to decide one way or other to force anybody's hand in this case. Yep. So... With that in mind, that's pretty much the news, but it transitions us perfectly right into the new games this week, and we're just going to talk <laughs> about Westworld, regardless if they stole source code or not. The Westworld game is now available for iOS, and it lets you essentially build your own kind of simulation in the Westworld world. So it has the Delos facility, you get your little control center, the different upgrade centers for the different hosts, and if you've never seen Westworld, it's not too spoilery. At least, not too bad. So it kind of goes over the core concepts and characters of the game where you have the hosts that build this essentially futuristic theme park with the Wild West theme where people can go interact with these androids essentially and then there's no harm done to those androids. The androids can't harm the guests and you have to balance the guests and the hosts. And so this game lets you focus on the management side where you get to create new hosts and then you put those hosts into different facilities and then those facilities interact with specific guests like you can put them in the bank and stage a bank robbery or you can put them over in the saloon and play a card game and then you build out the familiar locations of the Westworld theme and it's all in that familiar simulation idea. The Fallout Shelter comparison is the underground portion where you actually have the management of the simulation. So that has that kind of 2D side-scrolling view of these little 3D rooms to interact with. But everything above ground, that's pretty much uniquely Westworld, where you're interacting with the different facilities and full-on guest and host interaction and creation. I mean, it's still that simulation task thing where you're going to set somebody to do something for 10 minutes, set somebody else to do something for 15 minutes, and then come back later and collect the resources. That's not going to change your simulation games. But just to fully immerse it in that Westworld theme, they've done a really good job. Right, yeah. So I've only seen a couple of episodes from the first season of the show. So I was already kind of familiar with, with these characters, the whole kind of idea behind it. I'd seen the original movie with Yul Brenner years ago. And... I think if you're a fan of the series, you're really going to love the way they've, they've tackled it. The art style is really cute. 
And like you said, it's that above world feels like a new, fresh experience. It's when you go into that below world, which is the inner workings, and you're you're building the the new hosts, and you're kind of down there building new rooms, like you're building a room to repair the hosts and other rooms as you go, and you keep leveling things up. That's the part that really has a strong sense of Fallout Shelter. And I'm, I'm guessing that's the code that was copied to build that whole element of the game, which feels quite familiar, but it's still slightly different, but there is far too many similarities for people to, to brush it off. But I think as if you're a, uh, someone who does watch the series, this could be more interesting because, especially because it has those dual above and below ground elements than even the original fallout shelter was just because there's a lot more, you have a lot more interest in the series, or maybe you never even played Fallout before, so you don't really even care about that. I think this is going to pull in a lot of players because of the series and the IP that it's working with. Yeah, I played Fallout Shelter. I tried it. I couldn't really get into it. It seemed like the tasks were too menial and that there was never like a stepping off point. So this game, it seems to kind of take that structure that essentially baseline and then build upon it to give you more to do so every time you open the game it seems like there's all these different things you can do you can spend you know 15 20 minutes just assigning different tasks going to different locations cleaning up previous tasks upgrades new host creation all that kind of stuff there's always kind of a constant flow so there's good pacing to keep you interactive in the game and then also the in-app purchases and free-to-play structures are really free-flowing there's not a lot of hesitations or energy limitations. You can play this game quite a bit. You know, there's the usual wait 15 minutes for something to process, but it's still, it seems like every 15 minutes you can jump into the game and then there's a bunch to do. And that's kind of the main distinguisher is that you're never kind of have all these hurdles and things. If you played that Harry Potter game from also from Warner Brothers, you know that that game is one where you do stuff for a couple minutes and then you have to wait like four hours. Westworld is not like that at all. These are minute waits rather than hour waits. Right. I mean, you might have some that are as much as 10 minutes, but still, this is not unheard of in this style of game. You're going to have... There's tons of these games, and they do have to have them kind of be slightly larger timers to try to entice people to to pay for the premium currency that allows you to like skip these timers or speed up these timers. It's a free game. This is how they monetize it. This is how they do it. Uh, like you said, with uh, Harry Potter, those were through the roof, insane long things. My daughters still play the Harry Potter game. They just put it away for long periods of time and come back later when they can do it. They love the game, even though there are these timers. I, I don't know that I'm ever going to put this Westworld on there for them, but uh, they... At least not for a few years. Yes, at least not for a while, but... At least they, uh, I, I mean, they're willing to wait. There are people willing to wait large timers. You're not going to have to wait that long with this. And I think, again, with it being such a popular IP, I think people are going to embrace it and not really care. They're going to sit there. They might even just, like, explore the world while they're waiting for timers to finish and just go around because you feel like you're in your, your favorite show. You get to kind of just walk around, see these locations, and fool around with like the type of stuff you see in the show. So I think people are going to be much more forgiving in this, not only because those times are short, but just because of the world. Yeah, there's just a lot to do. So when those timers are going, you can go back to your home base and do like B-52 
behavioral analysis and you get to ask these five questions and it's almost like uh, Her Majesty where you get to see there's four different sections. A couple sections will be red and a couple sections will be green depending on which questions and you try to build up each of the four categories for the different hosts. So there's just little subtle kind of gameplay pieces to keep you engaged and interested in coming back rather than these long breaks in play. Yep. And so that's Westworld. It is free. It's universal. There's these green gems, which are the main currency, but you can also earn those just from Dr. Ford's office. Essentially, just as an example, it costs 250 green gems to get this special new host into your park. And I earned those 250 gems within the first three days of playing the game. So you can earn them. You know, there's some games where you see these premium unlock characters and you're like, I'm never going to get that. I've earned five coins and it costs a thousand. So this game actually lets you earn the premium currency in enough pacing to unlock the top tier unlockables of the premium currency. Right. I mean, there are the in-app purchases. If you still don't even want to wait three days, you can buy piles of gems for five bucks, boxes of gems for ten bucks, and the vault of gems for the low, low price of a hundred dollars. (laughs) Yes. So again, Westworld free, universal, get it while you can. (laughs) (laughs) And then up next is Suzy Cube, which is an interesting story in its own right because I first saw this game, I think it was GDC 2015. And it's this one single guy making the game all by himself, doing the graphic design, the sound design, the gameplay elements, all of it. And then I saw him at each preceding GDC. And now finally for this year, he's partnered with Noodle Cake. So he was able to get over the finish line and release the game to everyone. And... It's really well done. You can see that the time and effort finally paid off in just delivering a deluxe 3D platformer adventure game for iOS. So if you're a fan of any type of Mario game in the past, you're going to feel right at home with Suzy Cube. There's really smooth touch controls where you're just essentially sliding your finger on the left side of the screen to move 360 degrees. You tap on the right side of the screen to jump, and then you can have special interactions of special sequences. But it's just the classic platforming idea. There's some enemies over here there's some hidden sections to travel through here there's various collectibles and then you finally make it to the exit point there's even subtle forking pathways just all that classic 3d platforming stuff is fully included in suzy cube and now it's available for everyone right yeah this is a gorgeous 3d platformer if you any fan of those classics you are gonna feel right at home and it feels perfect on on ios and they have they even have like these little power-ups you can get which kind of put a new hat on your character which give them like different abilities or some other ability to that you'll need within that level so it all it definitely has a strong mario feel to it and you could definitely you could see that that was one of the things that influenced the game but it was it was a long time coming, but it was definitely worth the wait. And it's interesting because 3D platformers, is it's not a strong area of the App Store. There's a lot of really good 2D platformers, but 3D platformers, that's tough to think of them. Like, there's Crazy Hedgy, which came out like four or five years ago. It's, it's pretty solid. Then there was that Crab one where the controls weren't that good, but it had a new, uh, essentially quality design. But in terms of 3D platformers where you have full 360-degree movement, they're not really there. You know, there's the auto-runner platformers like Super Mario Run, and then there's the quick-action hardcore platformers, but they're all just kind of that 2D side-scrolling nature. So to get a fully 
360 degree environment and adventure. It's quite an achievement on iOS. Right. I think one of the biggest problems with bringing this style of game to iOS is the whole camera movement. Because mm -hmm. normally, if you have a console, you have that second stick that you can use to kind of keep on rotating the camera around as you're running. So you never have that problem. That really doesn't work on iOS. Like, you're not going to be touching another part of the screen, dragging. It's too difficult. And they've done a fantastic job of having the camera be just in the right location. Every once in a while it gets tripped up, but for the most part, it's following the action perfectly. You're seeing exactly what you need to see or what you're supposed to see. And it, it, be, it is a key element to these types of games. And it's just implemented so well within Suzycube that it, you never feel like, oh man, I can't even see where I'm going. This is going to be a cheap death. You know exactly where, what you can see. You always have that vision of where you need to go and it never kind of gets in the way. Yeah, that's exactly right. It reminds me of Super Mario 64, that first Mario game on the N64 where they had that 3D idea. You can manually move the camera with the yellow buttons, but that's only kind of to look at specific angles. Usually the camera just follows you really well and intuitively, and that's what Suzy Cube does. Yeah, now, it, the game, I have not tried it out with uh, a physical controller yet. It does support... Uh, controllers as well external controllers but the one thing i did notice is every once in a while i it, feel, it felt like it lost the tracking of my movement thumb where it would kind of just he would start moving too slow or he kind of almost just stop and i'd almost have to recenter my finger and start again and there's a couple of different control options you could choose like a virtual joystick as well and and that one always stays centered but even that didn't kind of relieve that i don't know if it's just on my ipad pro i i've noticed it's gotten slow on on pretty much everything nowadays and i don't know if that's because i'm running low at space or, or some other issue but i did seem to notice it not super often but every once in a while i ran into that that weird thing where it was kind of just slow down. I don't know if you saw that when you were playing at all. I didn't have any of that, but hmm. it's okay. It, it, I mean, it could be my device, but uh, that was the only real frustration I had playing the game. Otherwise, it just it feels amazing, and it, it's just awesome to have this quality of a 3D platformer on iOS. Yeah, that's the main takeaway. And there's over 40 different levels to play through. There's a lot of different themes and worlds. So it's not just like, here's 10 levels of the same exact thing. So it keeps it nice and varied. The one kind of drawback for me, it's probably not for everybody. It's just because I've played so many 3D platformers. This game trended towards the easier side. But that's probably par for the course of being a big fan of this genre. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I could see that, but I mean, there's still reasons to go back, even if you go through and you complete the level, there's still these hidden areas and hidden things that you're going to want to go back, and it's not necessarily going to be a straightforward, you're going to be hunting around for the things, there is a timer that you're racing against to try to complete the level before the timer ends, so it's not, you can't take your time completely to go through the levels but i would say i would agree with you that it did tend to be slightly on the easier side but i don't think it was so easy that you felt like you were playing a kid's game it just felt like it's probably they brushed the difficulty down just to appeal to the largest possible audience yeah and so that's suzy cube it's 3.99 and it's universal but some people go back to play golf on 
the wasteland of Earth. And so you're going to play through abandoned buildings and various kinds of crazy courses. So it has a arcade golf feel. It's a bit like Super Stickman Golf combined with a more kind of gritty afterworld post-apocalyptic environment. And so you have to deal with all these strange courses where you might need to hit up this elevator shaft and go through a broken window and then jump over this, you know, radiation leakage to get to the hole. Or you, the hole might even be a toilet you have to land into. And so there's kinds of crazy stuff to deal with. And then all the time, the game has an actual storyline. So when you go into each hole, it will be preceded by a short kind of piece of text describing how it was as the world kind of came to an end. And then there's a radio program with seven songs, which are quite chilling and fit with the Wasteland theme. And then there's five personal stories where people will tell what they were doing beforehand and then how they dealt with the aftermath. So it's like kind of a Earth Wasteland radio to show the fall of the world. And so that brings life and depth to just, you know, they could have just left it as a golf game. But they fleshed it out so it's more of an experience. So you'll want to play through each hole with the intrinsic challenge, but also to just listen along to the radio station that develops the theme and the world and an actual storyline. Right. Yeah. I mean, the the game itself, you don't really you don't really know what the the part of these holes are. You they're kind of open in the fact that you kind of choose your path of how you're going to get through them, and you're really going to pan through them and kind of see what's around, see where the hole is, and then try to figure out how you're going to get there. You're you're hitting. All you do is tap and hold on the screen. Your guy will go into a putt, uh, into a hitting stance, and then you just kind of pull back and you decide the angle that you want to go up and how much power you want to use. You can even just putt along the ground as well if you want and so you're just trying to eventually make it to that hole but what is so compelling is not only the visual that they have of this really stark world there's even like creepy sections where you see like these almost like deformed looking kids kind of staring at you and racing and running in front of the screen and kind of following you as you're playing they're kind of they have nothing better to do they're in living in this wasteland and watching you probably some rich person living on Mars that can afford the rocket to fly you back to play. And you're going through and you hear those, it's almost like you're listening to like these documentary NPR interviews, which are super interesting because it's that along with that text that appears, you get to find out like what happened, like why is the earth this way? What like how did it deteriorate this quickly? What caused it? How the people survived? What they did during like the worst of it to to survive this horror that must have happened? And it just pulls you right in, and you, it just this juxtaposition of you, this person, kind of playing golf, which is just like a fun casual experience, and this horror that you're hearing about all in one. It's just a really weird experience, but entertaining and just totally different than anything you've played before yeah you can get lost just going from hole to hole not even really focusing and concentrating on the hole like you know you'll have to hit through the scaffolding and stuff and you know it's going to take like five shots even at ultimate power just to land at these different tiers and so you're just kind of just getting lost in either a story or a song and just 
fully immersed in the experience. They flesh it out so it really is something that's unique and stands out, and you can just lose track of time. The only kind of drawback, like you said, is that you can't see the score, and it's part of the way the game kind of keeps you in the world. So, you know, they could break it up with, oh, here's the par, and here's your score, and constant track of strokes in the menu, but it declutters the screen, so you're just kind of in the world. So, on one hand, it's not as focused on the golf gameplay, and that is kind of a detriment, but I understand from a design standpoint why they did it. Right. The golfing's more of a way to move you forward through this level. It's not really concentrated necessarily on you doing the best you can. There are achievements you can get for getting under par. There's other little hidden things you can find. If you trigger them, you'll get certain achievements. But I do kind of wish that maybe... I, I like that it doesn't clutter and it's not always there on the screen with the score because really it's more about the story than your score. But I wish there was a way without exiting back to the main menu, at least that this is the only way I could find, to go back to the main menu, find the scorecard, and that told you what par was and how well you did. And even on that scorecard, it's the, the total score is a little messed up until you finish all 30 holes because it calculates it based on you getting zeros on every hole that you haven't played yet. So your score is super good. Your total score is super good, even though it really isn't. I wish they would kind of do a different way to calculate the score, and so that wasn't messed up. But having to go to the main menu just to see the score and those uh, par for each hole is kind of annoying. I wish there was like maybe a gesture or some little thing that kind of blends into the background that you could tap on that would kind of just bring it up in a little window or some manner of showing it just so that you didn't have to exit out if you were curious what it was. Yeah. And then also it would be nice to see some type of way to tune the radio to jump through tracks because if you restart the whole game, you know, say you played it and then you come back the next day and it starts from scratch, you start with the same song and the same story, and it's definitely not as good the second time, especially when you know that there's six additional songs and four additional stories you want to get to, so it would be nice if you could just skip to the next track. The only radio control you have is you can turn it on and off, but you can't jump through tracks, which would really just kind of fully flesh out the experience. Yep, yeah, yeah, I mean, and also the one other thing I did notice, there seems to be a glitch where for some reason every once in a while the the radio will just stop and I still get the sounds of like the, the bass sounds of me hitting and things, but I don't get any of the radio music. It just seems to, to no longer play and I have to basically quit the app and come back in and then the radio will start playing again. I don't know why that happens. It's happened to me a few times now. But uh, hopefully they'll fix that. Yep. And so uh, that's Golf Club Wasteland, a definite standout in the App Store. It's $2.99. It's universal. And then to round out the week is Color Defense. We talked about a tower defense game last week with the Creeps 2. And now it's a brand new tower defense game. This one is more like Geodefense with a minimalistic design that uses particle effects as you destroy enemies. And then there's a fixed path setup. The main distinguisher is that it's designed around one-touch, super simple interaction where you simply tap on the screen over the tower you want and then you drag it into place. And then you can freeform drag that tower anywhere and you get to see the little 
diameter or the little radius of damage for that tower so you can place it in the best spot. So it's more like a puzzle experience as you want to put those towers in just the right part of this fixed path of these different levels so that you maximize damage. Then you have the usual upgrade system. There's six different towers in total to try out and experiment with some regular blaster, the slowdown ones, the heavy artillery, and just balance it out as you face these different waves to protect your colony. And then the game really amps up the difficulty by letting you only make two mistakes. So you can let one enemy through and you can survive, but if you that second enemy gets through, it's game over, you have to restart. So you don't have a lot of room for error. Yeah, it's I the, I think you get three three hits before before your tower goes down. But the that whole ability to really uh, free form exactly where you want to place those towers gives it a much different feel than most other tower defense games. Because normally you either have st like standalone certain spots of these are the only spots you can build towers on. Or you have a grid pattern where there's only certain grid spots that you could build the, your stuff on, and that kind of affects the path, uh, kind of like field runners, where things kind of go around your your towers that you place. So having that ability to really f decide exactly where you want to place it, and you see that little radius of of its damage and then you can kind of place it maybe there's a, a stretch where you want to have it overlap a little bit extra and you basically have these two parallel paths and you want to cover them both with one tower well maybe you want to cover a little bit more on one than the other so now you can kind of lean it a little closer to one path over the other one and, and now he'll attack that one a little more than he attacks the one the other one that you have so it gives you a lot of freedom in really deciding of how do I want to tackle this level, this puzzle, and line things up to give me the best possible odds of defeating all of the waves of enemies? And so, and you're not kidding about that difficulty level either, because even like the first four levels is fairly straightforward. You can, no problem. You hit even just the fifth level of the game. And it is tough. Like, the, you think you have it, and then they even warn you, here's a new kind of tower that will slow things down. But when these guys are coming out fast, and it's an expensive tower. So when these guys come out fast, if you have not built that thing yet, or multiple of those yet, there's no way you're going to beat that level. So it's this whole kind of die, try again, die, try again, until you find just the right combination and placement of these towers to tackle all the levels, I mean, all of the waves of enemies before they can destroy your tower. And then it's worth noting the game launches with the default on hard difficulty. There's easy, meet or normal and hard. And so if you want, right at the outset, you can just switch the difficulty to normal to kind of get your feet wet in the game before you try the hard because... That hard, it's not lying. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think that's why I had so much trouble. I didn't even realize I was on hard difficulty. I assumed I was on a normal difficulty, but I'm going to try sending it back for this fifth level and uh, trying to get. It's definitely just an emphasis on puzzle that kind of tower defense was built on, where you really plan your actions and think and strategize where the placement of every tower is so very important because. You know, you're not going to have a bunch of towers, so the type of tower you choose and the spot that you put it with that specific radius 
is going to be very important because it's not like, oh, I messed that one up, but I can put a couple more around it to make up for it. So you have to be very careful with everything that you do. Yep. And so that's Color Defense. It's free. It's universal. You can enjoy this game fully for free as it's ad-supported. Then you can remove ads. And I think that's everything for Episode 72. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.